when Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Okay, so we're one game into the season uh, and the only thing standing between Rovers and winning the championship as far as I'm concerned for 2021 is dodgy refereeing decisions. It's episode 18 <laughs> of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast and the usual crew with us today. Magoo, how are things? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> you rub your eyes. Uh, Terry O'Connor, how are you? Oh, good, Connor. Thanks. And uh, last but not least, Sean Dunn. How are things? Not too bad, just adding Neil Doyle now to my uh, list of hatred of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen, and the lines, man. Would yeah. you make a list like you want like what you want of the Game of Thrones? Do you have one of them lists, Sean, do you? We're all on it. Yeah, all good. I never watched Game of Thrones, but anyway. Listen, we'll talk about, um, we won't talk about Game of Thrones later on, but we will talk about uh, Neil Doyle and that decision along with the um, review of the whole opening game of the season against Dundalk in the showgrounds. Another hugely... Um, Busy show. Uh, if you thought last week was a bumper show, this week uh, is following in much the same thread. Um, we will have another shout from the shed end. Um, we get your thoughts directly after the game. Uh, they were sent in to podcast at borst.ie. Uh, if you know, if you happen to have phone numbers for myself, Jerry, uh, or Magoo, and you want to get your shouts for the shed ending, you can uh, message them directly. And if anybody knows of a better way to do this, um, if we can try and capture shouts from the shed end in a more efficient manner, uh, let us know. But as I said, the email address is always open. Uh, any feedback that you have for the podcast or about the podcast, you can get it into podcast at B-O-R-S-T, B-O-R-S-T dot I-E. Uh, podcast at borst.ie. Okay, so that's shout from the shed end. We also have a, a, a good chat with uh, the Rovers treasurer, David Rowe. Um, he's fresh out of the AGM uh, that happened during the week, the virtual AGM. He also discusses and gives us a bit more information about, um, oh, it's a penalty for Ireland. No, it's not a penalty. We're watching the Ireland game at the same time. Um, so he also, the club today announced the extension of the um Sponsorship deal with Avon Money until the end of the 2023 season, which is great news that we maintain our continued uh, relationship with um, such a strong brand and a great company. We also speak to uh, Owen Power, who is a Waterford United supporter. He gives us the lowdown of uh, how he expects they'll get on over the season and his um, how he thinks they'll get on uh, against Waterford against Rovers on Friday. And we also speak to Bart uh, Bukowski, and Bart is involved in a really interesting project that has seen the uh, the development or the creation of a League of Ireland preview in the Polish language for the first time. Uh, he is a Sligo Rovers fan. He lives in Sligo, so he gives us the low down there. Okay, so that's everything that's coming up. Uh, it's a busy show. And uh, the first thing we'll start with is um, Sligo Rovers 1, Magoo, Dundalk 1. But like for me, coming out of that game, you know, I was actually more annoyed, uh, delighted with the performance, but I had a sense of annoyance uh, on the back of 
we 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 was robbed, Magoo. We was robbed. We well, we were robbed. We were definitely robbed. But when like for the first game of the season, when have you come out of a feeling uh that good about it? Like even though we were robbed at the end, I remember even thinking with ten minutes to go that if these fuckers snake one now, I still would be optimistic purely on the performance. Like we never it's been a long time since we've had that sort of performance on the opening day of the season. But albeit robbed at the end, but to play like that against a team that everyone is tipping to go touch so with Shams for the year and who like we're in the Europa League group stages last year. Mm. Like I know I we were, I was saying last week on here that they're it's a circus going on there, but you still have to beat them on the pitch. And we went out and we went for the throat straight away. And I think the message was sent even with the team that Bucky picked, there was no fear. It was straight for them. Like we were we were we were going going towards toe with them and that's it. We're just as good as them. Uh it was the endeavor donor that was that was different, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, Connor. I think you could see right from the off, we were at it. We were in their faces, the press was high, it was the intensity was high. But even we showed no fear on the ball. We weren't backtracking, we weren't just playing safe passes, we were looking for killer passes all the time. We were looking to cut them open. We, we looked like a team that we, that should have been tipped to be ch- uh, challenging for the title. I was, I was uh, we were. <laughs> we, we were tipped. Um, but I, I just think, you know, the, every... We, we might just come on, we'll come on to uh, people's uh, uh, predictions as well before the end of, uh, before the end of today's record. I know where that's going already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, I think from the start we were, we were excellent. Um, Jordan Gibson set the tone as well straight away. Bulger, he just, he, he's exactly what we were hoping he'd be. From the off, he was straight in, crunching tackles, but also his presence on the pitch. You could hear him throughout that whole 90 minutes. He didn't shut his mouth. He was telling people where to be, what to do, and just in the right manner as well. Not just in a dickhead manner. He was... It was, it was said with authority, but in the right way. Just uh, no, there was no weak spot. Yeah, I think as well, Jerry. The thing that stood out to me as well is that from minute one to minute ninety, whatever it was, uh, the, a level of fitness, uh, and they maintained the pressure, and they went after Dundalk. I would say, like, like we have not seen in I don't know how many years. But uh, is it self-belief? It's like there's definitely a level of fitness there that's right up there. They've proved that already, um, but. There's also some sort of self-belief that you know we're going to win in this game. I know they didn't, but and they, they all but won it. But yeah, no. Look, we look sharp. We look, we look really, really sharp. We didn't look like a team that was the first game of the season. If anything, maybe Dundalk actually did, even though it was their second. I think we looked sharper. We were on the front foot from the first second uh, in their faces, and um, and like that wasn't even you know that wasn't the best part of our play. Or the best part of our play was our our passing and our positivity. And as you said there, look, we didn't look like we were going to, we didn't look like we were going to lose the game. You know, if anything, we, we always looked like we we're going to win. And I suppose the one thing that was kind of, apart from the live man decision, I don't really want to go on about that, but I will say one thing about that is that we finished one point behind Dundalk last season. Dundalk qualified automatically for, for Europe. I just hope when it comes to the end of the season, we're not looking back on that decision I know people say these things even themselves out of the season. That's a lot of bollocks, to be honest with you. We're Sly Rovers. These things don't even themselves over the season. The other thing I'd say is that 
the one thing that was a bit of a pity is that the crowd wasn't there. I think if the crowd was there, they would have screamed and roared us, roared us on to win the game, you know. Um, and it was just a bit of a shame because I know at home I was going bananas in the sitting room here. It was like, you ever see those old grannies shouting at the horse racing on the TV? That was me. I was just so <laughs> delighted. Where do you watch your horse racing, Jerry? <laughs> you I thought I just, I thought the level, I thought the level though of intensity was was so different compared to the games we watched last season. You know, when they came back from after the the lockdown, all games were kind of just, yeah, uh, you know, they were all like preseason friendlies. But this was like totally different. This was, this, yeah, this was total. This was proper football on Saturday evening, right from the start. Um, Magoo, you said in the WhatsApp group before the game, well, you'd identified that uh, Dundalk were playing a back three, and do you think that played into Rovers because? Jordan Gibson had, he had so much space to work in. Um, and, you know, the likes of um, Bulger was kind of just punting balls into the into the corner of the pitch and there was no fullback there. And um, Gibson had space to run onto it. It gave him a huge opportunity to do his thing. He did, yeah. He was, oh, he was, he was excellent, like, especially second half, I thought, when they tired. I don't know if their lack of pre-season games. I know they played in the President's Cup, but they didn't play many friendlies and all, did they? I don't know if that got him in the end. Like by the end of the by the end of the game, he was running the left back ragged altogether. Like he he was nowhere to be seen. There was some, but I don't think that it, I I if they had played a flat back four, I don't think it would have made a difference. Because I think we won the game. It feels like that was terrific. Like Bulger, I know everybody gave Gibson man of the match, but and he was brilliant. But I don't think he would have could have been as good without Bulger and Nile as well. He has to get credit, but like yeah. without them being as like I. Wouldn't even know Chris Sheed was playing. Like, was he playing? I don't remember getting the kick of the ball. Like, it was just dominant. So I, I would say, if to play three at the back, five at the back, four at the back, I don't think it would have made a difference to our performance. Just on, uh, uh, on Chris Shields there. Um, just when, um, when Romeo ran through the middle of the park and where Gibson took hit the hit the post, yeah. you know, he left Chris Shields in a heap. He looked like yeah. an old man. Oh, like, and you know, um. Um, uh, it's like I don't know. I think it was a David or was a Collie and co-commentary said that at the start, and I kind of I kind of believe this as well that Dundalk are they're a team of athletes. They season on season for the last decade or so or last six years, they've always looked like they look like physical specimens. When you know we always sometimes we looked like kind of it was like men against boys, but like what Romeo did there in the middle of the park, he was he like such strength and. I think he kind of he 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 set a tone as well, and it was one of the most beautiful moves that I've seen. Like just that that ball didn't go inside the the, the post, it would have been yeah, it would have been just such an incredible goal, like you know. Yeah, it's not even the fact that they have big specimens though. It's all, it's attitude as well though. Like our attitude was, you saw you saw Johnny Kenny going up against the big fella in the second half. He didn't give a shit. Yeah, I mean he yeah. was standing up to Horgan in the first half. Like it's just because they're bigger men. It was it's all attitude, yeah. and like yeah. we have it and. So much of that, I think, comes from the likes of Bulger. Like, you can imagine what's going on in the dressing room before a game, like, yeah, what he's at, getting them all g'd up and everything. Like, it's and you can see it in the mall out the pitch. Then there was no man taking a step back. Uh, Sean, uh, sorry, no, go on, Sean. No, I was just going to say as well, just uh, with regards to Bulger, but I think Bulger coming in has also um, helped Gary Buckley show his influence on the side as well. I think Gary's really stepped up to that man to that plate as well. Have been one of the senior pros of the of the team, 
you know, and he's a, he, people forget as well, he's also a winner. You know, he's he's a yeah. double winner with Cork. Yeah. He's won cups and he's won the league. So I think the two of them he are just, he just He just strolled through the game at the weekend. Absolutely brilliant, so he was. He just strolled through it like. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was one incident as well, I think, where there was a bit of a, bit of a few players coming together. And I think Bulger and Buckley were straight in. Yeah. Yeah. And but if you saw when, Bul- when Bulger went in, he, he went in straight away. And then the referee called Cleary over to book him. And Bulger waited for him. And when Cleary's walking away, he went over and had another word with him. And then he just turned around straight away and started organizing stuff. It wasn't he was over, he wasn't getting hot headed or anything, but he went over and let him know, set his pace, and then turned around straight away in the same movement, was organizing where people were going to be from the corner and stuff. It was, it's all pre planned, it's no heat of the moment stuff, it's just proper leader stuff. So, oh, Donner, what can we say about um, the first goal? Uh, Bulger was involved, although he uh, he probably didn't want to be involved. And <laughs> uh, like, what, what can we say about it? Is well, we. We try not to focus too much on it. Is it just one of these things that happen? Look, it's. I'll put it down to the first game of the season. We play by a philosophy. We play out from the back. That's what Buckley wants from his goalkeeper. That's what Ed is comfortable doing. He played himself into a position where I think he actually had Horgan very, very easily available to his to his right hand side, and he never actually took him. Now I did. I don't understand why he didn't play that ball, but Bulger was never on. Mm. Bulger was never on. I think it's uh, it's not Shields that's up his hole, is it? It's uh, it is Shields, yeah. But I, I don't, but I don't know. There's there is there is a, a Dundalk, there is a Dundalk playing a player covering um, Horgan as well. But it's, he Mc, it's McElhenney to that side, but I think yeah. the angles on. But anyway, it makes no difference. He plays that ball into Bulger, and it's just it's a killer ball altogether. Mm. It is slug. It's slug gets the touch on the ball and plays it into McElhenney. It's a yeah. simple tap in. Look, Ed had a couple of moments after that as well where he came out and he was left in no man's land at the edge of his 18 yard area where he tried to clear a ball with his head. Again, people will get upset by that and say he should be, shouldn't be coming out, he shouldn't be doing this. But at the same time, last season, I remember him making a couple of these interceptions and people were praising him to the hilt and saying, look how confident he is for a young lad. Look how. Look at his ability, what he's doing. This is what you want from your goalkeeper. Yeah. If he gets the mistakes out of his out of his system early doors, all the better. Yeah. He's going to continue to do that. And look, I'm yeah. in full support of him because it won't always come off, but more often than not, it will. Yeah. Okay, I think so- it took him. Uh, I think it took him a game or two to settle last season as well. If you remember um, against Pats in the showgrounds, you know, it wasn't one of his best games. Um, but after that. Um, you know, he regrouped and he, he was like one of the players of the season. So, as Sean said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay, wouldn't get too upset about it. It's, a, it's one game, um, and you could compare it to last season, and he was fantastic. So, look, yeah. it's tough being a keeper too, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so then Magoo, um, Budger was again a few minutes later involved in, in the goal. I mean, it was a fairly straightforward goal, but I guess, um, well, the, the delivery was reasonably straightforward, but the finish was uh, a pretty good finish from uh, Romeo in the end, wasn't it? That was a great header. He's great. He had no right to be winning that, to be honest with you. It was a great delivery wrong, too. Facing the wrong direction. You know. Yeah. The, the, in fair, delivery now was spot on. It was, it's, I have to say, our, there was one thing you could probably be critical, critical of the other night was set paces. Our delivery from set paces generally, but that one was spot on. And a great leap by Romeo. And, and more, no more than we deserved. 
Yeah, there was um, there was a bit of a bite as well across the team. Like even um, Horgan, who kind of I have no I don't know anything about Horgan apart from what I've seen him in a, in a Rover jersey, but he was getting stuck into players and he was um, um, Sonny Nanestad, the big centre half. He was he wasn't given an inch like, and that was kind of across the, maybe this is something that's been set by the likes of Bulger and those people who've done things before in the game, but there's a bite that we've been missing as a football team for seasons now. I think that's a confidence issue as well, you know. I don't think as a side we have been confident in our own abilities, and I think you see a lot of the younger lads that have stepped up, the likes of Niall Moran and John Mann, those boys are losing with confidence. They don't give a shit about anyone. They're really not, they're not intimidated by any opposition players whatsoever. And I think even seeing it with Johnny Kenny, that was one of the biggest takes I took from Johnny Kenny's game, and people might laugh, is when he went to go head-to-head with Nadestad. I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. I thought, yes, there you go, young lad. You do not give a shit. Get stuck in and just, you know, state your your claim. You know what I mean? You're at home. This is your home ground. You're right. Get stuck in. Don't let him. Don't let him take you around the place. Don't let him bully you. Um, we have. Um, we've things in the podcast, so we, we can't spend a huge amount of time on the game. Who else? Uh, anybody else want to uh, talk about any other players that stood out? McCourt was great again. I think wasn't he, Donner? McCourt was brilliant. There's just one thing I want to touch on uh, briefly. It was uh, the substitutions, and it was mentioned yeah. in the. It was mentioned in the commentary by Alan Cawley, and I have to say, I, w- I was agreeing with Alan, and that's one, one thing from the Watch LOA, I have to say, thought the commentary was fantastic that night. Yeah. It was really good. It was re- uh, really engaging with the game. Yeah. Um, but he, he's, he's commented on the substitutions, being poor substitutions, taking off Romeo and that. And actually, I was feeling the same way, but we I, were actually... I, so was I. I was right behind him. I was like, you're dead right, Alan. Yeah. yeah. We were going through a spell where actually Dundalk were on top. They were actually putting on, putting us under a nice bit of pressure. And when the substitutions were made, I think they actually flipped the intensity. And they actually, between Cawley and Byrne, I thought they were absolutely brilliant when they came on. And Cawley's intensity was something. Oh, yeah. He was fighting for everything. It was actually one of the best games I've seen David Cawley play in a long time. Yeah, Jerry, um, sorry, sorry, go on, Sean, sorry. No, but I was just saying that I thought the two boys really helped flip the intensity and actually turn the game on its head again in our direction, in our favour, and really helped us pile the pressure on them. We should have got the win from it, but there you go. So, Jerry, does Mark Byrne start against Waterford? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, Walter played well, um, but I think um, just as, as the guys were saying there, um, I think when Davis and Mark came on, um, you know, maybe they've played themselves into starting positions for Waterford. Um, definitely Mark. Um and he's he's got so big over the, the summer as well. He doesn't look like a a kid really. I know he's twenty, but um, yeah, I'd like to see him start. The Ireland have conceded the second goal. Ah, for, for, we're watching we're watching the Ireland yeah. game here. Sorry, I, I, and I noticed that I um, had a little interjection in the intro there as well. I probably didn't even tell people we're, we're watching Ireland getting beaten here as well. Why are we doing the podcast? Just the regards to the lads as well. Just they're starting for the next game. I think this is something we haven't had as well in a couple of seasons is actually options and genuine yeah. competition for places. But well, you know what, Sean? Let's hold off yeah. on that. I can't... We'll talk about it in the third half of the podcast when we, we have a look at the, the game ahead. Um, any, any other points then on... Um, you know what I did notice well about the team and I've been saying this for years. Like, I, I think we, we, we spoke about it to um, 
Um, myself and Sean spoke to Owen Power of Waterford fan earlier about McCourt. McCourt, we have players who are breaking lines, who are making runs for deep, making things very difficult for the opposition, something that wasn't happening last season. So it's that level of fitness and that drive is kind of encompassed in that idea of lads coming from unexpected positions in, 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 for attacking in an attacking role, I guess, like, you know. Um, okay, so we will hear um, some shouts from the shed end. If you um, watch the Waterford game and you want to get your shouts in uh, after that match, send us in to send them in to podcast at brst.ie. How are you, lads? Uh, Darren McMahon there. I think it was a brilliant performance by us. Um, man of the match wise. You could pick anyone really on the pitch. I think Gibson, Bulger and Mahan especially were just absolutely fantastic. Bulger, I think, definitely the man of the match. Like he just controlled everything in the pitch, slowed everything down when he needed to slow down. It was just brilliant. Um fantastic performance. I think it's gonna be a great season. Hi. Dylan watching the Reds from London here tonight. Great performance by the whole team today. Gibson got man of the match, but really could have been a number of players. Unfortunately, it was a soft goal to concede at the start, but a great reaction from the boys. Nice for Romeo to get a goal on his return. Not to be for the three points in the end, only for some really bad officiating. But all in all, looking forward to the season ahead, as it's one of the strongest squads we've had for years. Andrew Dodd here, very impressed with Sligo's performance tonight. Um, quality added all over the pitch. Greg Balger, what we were missing the last few years, a leader driving the team forward. Niall Moran. Niles class does the simple thing, strong in the tackle as well. No worries about Niall, he's a rare player this season last year for a reason. Everyone loves Romeo, quality, scores goals, has a touch of class about him. Walter Figueroa, haven't been impressed him at all since he came into the, into the, into the Rovers team. Uh, Johnny Kenny up front, people are saying don't put pressure on him and I use one of the people to say not to put pressure on him. Off you go Johnny, just go and do it. How are you lads? Ronan Flanagan here in Boyle. I thought it was a good game. There was a nervous start and the goal was avoidable. I was disappointed with the deliveries from corners, but overall I'm happy. There was plenty of solid performances and there's a lot to look forward to. Great to see Romeo get a goal and of course the celebration of the match. My man of the match is Jordan Gibson. I think he ran Dundalk ragged and the link up between himself and Johnny Kenny looks exciting too. Was the goal offside? No, I don't think the goal was offside, but I suppose that's why we all love football. The drama and the excitement, even if it's a decision against our own team. Yeah, overall happy with the performance. It was very good. The evidence coming in um, played all really well, maybe. Apart from Walter just couldn't get his foot on the ball, get into the game a bit, was very good. Bulger was barking at everybody. And I thought Johnny Kenny did very good for 17-year-old to lead the line up against a big... Strong physical back three for Dundalk. Uh, it was great to have Romeo back. He brings that added difference. I, I think the reason he was sub maybe was because a bit of, a bit of tiredness, a bit of match fitness, and the subs he brought in were very good. Um, I think the goal he conceded. It's just silly playing. McGinty has to just lock up. Sometimes it's it's better just to send the ball up the pitch. I know we like to play that, get the ball down and play, but sometimes you have to turn them because we nearly even caught them uh, in the second half with that. Um, yeah, man of the match, I'd probably say Gibson, he was just getting our fellas, I like, I like to see him now, we have to get him into space and get him running at fellas because not every team is going to have a good left back, not every team is going to have a good left back 
So he's going to hurt fellas coming at them and cutting back inside. Uh, and hopefully we push on now next week and get three points against Waterford. Yeah, how are you lads? <coughs> Ryan Matthews here. Just going to give a brief summary on the game tonight. Um, a lot happened, so just try to keep it short. Um, no, basically, look, I thought it was one of the best performances I've seen in the showgrounds in the last couple of years. Look, the boys look very fit, and I thought the tactical pressing up higher end of the pitch and stuff like that, we forced a lot of mistakes in Dundalk, so it was good to see against the top side. I think Buckley, Campbell and John Russell have to take a lot of credit too, because obviously the players that they've brought in are quality players, um, and you could see that tonight. Man, the match, there were a few unreal performances. So, I'd, like, John Maham was quality, I thought. Bulger, Johnny Kenny, too, like, 17 years old, making his debut was excellent. But I'd have to give it to Jordan Gibson. I think that was one of the best performances, debuts I've seen in the showgrounds in recent years. I thought he was exceptional. And look, hopefully that we can kick on now and beat Waterford on Friday because there's no point in putting in a big performance like that there uh, tonight and then not going down and beating them, you know. Peter Ryan here, I thought we were excellent tonight. I thought John Mann was he was superb man of the match. He didn't give Junior a sniff all game. I thought Greg Bulger uh, controlled the game from start to finish. A player like him we've been missing for the last few years, big time. Uh, I think Johnny Kenny and Romeo Parks were brilliant up front. They were like uh, York and Cole. I think they will be very uh, very important to, for us this season and uh, key to our success. As for the offside, uh, never offside. You wouldn't even see him on a Sunday morning and in the junior match. I'd expect nothing less from Neil Doyle. Okay, that's shouts from the show to end. Uh, as I said, get your shouts in after the Waterford game. We'll play them out in the podcast next week. Um, okay, so the AGM, the club AGM took place during the week and um, it was pretty interesting. And things are not looking too bad from a financial uh, point of view for the club. They're not looking um, too amazing either, but you know things are okay all in all. Uh, and uh, to get an idea of uh, a better idea of how the club is set up financially, um, we had a conversation with club treasurer David Rowe. Can you give us a brief, a really brief overview of the financial model for Sligo Rovers and maybe how that compares with some of our competition in the league, if that's if it's possible to answer that in in uh, 20 or 30 seconds? Yeah, I suppose, well, the ownership structure is the first thing, Connor. Um, you know, the club is owned by, by um, I suppose, a dwindling number of shareholders. Um, you know, I think it's around 380 or something like that. We're going to shortly look at that. Um, so a lot of those original shareholders came in when we built the um, Tracy Avenue stand. Um, and and at the moment, if you're three years in the 500 club, you could, you also can become a shareholder. Um, so how are we funded? We're funded about 25% through gate receipts. How would that compare to others? It's probably similar. We're probably a little bit higher. We're probably a touch more dependent. Um, we're 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 fun. You know, we've 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 had very little or no transfer fee income. Um, we've had no TV income, like zilch. Um, zero um, that that has all been kept by the parent association up to now um, things like um, merchandise sales um, summer camps renting out astro pitches etc they could bring in six figures um, there's a little bit of prize money a little bit but it, it, it multiplies by seven or eight if you get into Europe so it's seven or eight times I know we're going to talk about that in a second um and um our fundraising was 500 and i think 30,000 last year 
and 400,000 this year. I mean, there isn't another club that comes next year near that. So, you know, approximately 35% of our, our income is, is from fundraising. Yes, we have sponsorship income as well, uh, business, you know, signage, et cetera. They're, I suppose they're a little bit more modest, Connor, reflecting the, you know, local economic conditions. And, you know, you definitely can get more from bigger sponsors in Dublin, et cetera. So, you know, we have to cut our cloth, but, you know, they're, they're very loyal as well. So the standout figure in our accounts, um, the two standout figures really would be the, the 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 money coming from the supporters in terms of season tickets or attendance of matches, and the voluntary fundraising. And like we're, I would say, bringing in four times the amount of other clubs consistently in terms of voluntary fundraising. And some would have none at all. And I remember looking at the table last year at one stage, and I thought it was a little bit sad. And obviously, it it, it kind of it improved, but. The three member, three of the four member-owned clubs were in serious danger of going down at that stage. That was Cork, Finn Harps, and ourselves. Now Bose is also Bose is the fourth member-owned club in in the Premier Division, and they obviously had a very good season. But it kind of shows how the model has changed a bit. And you know, we've got a big backer in Waterford. We've got a big backer in in Shelburne. Ironically. Um, you know, Dundalk have big backers, Shamrock Rovers have big backers, Pats have had an underwriter for years. And these people, you know, it's amazing what they do. Uh, uh, you know, they could be putting in, you know, four or 500,000. But our four or 500,000 in, in voluntary fundraising is really replacing that kind of golden benefactor piece. Um, finances, I won't bore you too much with this, but the finances changed radically if you get into Europe and particularly if you make it make a round or two. Um, so, yeah, we would we would be first of all, ownership structure is very different. Uh, we're community owned um, co-op. We're a co-op officially. Um, and then secondly, it would be the voluntary fundraising and the, you know, and the gate receipts, etc. The club has had a major announcement today with the extension of, I guess, do you call them the title sponsor? Having money's connection with the club will be maintained until the end of the 2023 season? Yeah, no, it's good news. And, you know, you would have seen with the um, the Connolly sponsorship, which I think was eight or nine years, you know, uh, you know we're in long-term partnerships with people and, um, you know, with good businesses and, and, and West of Ireland-based businesses. So, um, yeah, delighted, you know, when you, when you look at some of the other clubs that either have no sponsors or are running with betting companies, which is a bit of a, a no-no, um, you know, we're very we're very proud to have teamed up with with Avon Money from Carrick and Shannon, um, obviously large large employer in in the region and really solid people like Connolly's before them. So um, you know and uh, you know we it, it's really good news. It just gives us certainty, Connor, where you know you're potentially shopping around for another sponsor in in um, you know in 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 I suppose COVID time. So yeah, it's it's very good news. You know they're 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 very good people to work with. So thrilled with that. Yeah. Is it difficult to match uh, like the values of the club with um, with a sponsor like that? Like you'd mentioned, like have we had opportunities to have a betting company on our shirts that we might have turned away? Like how difficult is it to match the values of Cycle Rovers with a sponsor? Um, it's probably a bit of a niche market. <laughs> um, those of us that are fanatics won't really understand that. I don't understand that. I think anybody should want to put any amount of unlimited money into the brand. But we're all we're all completely biased on this call. So 
Um, yeah, it's difficult enough, Connor. And, you know, <laughs> I suppose the trick is to try and find a national brand, um, you know, or some local business that's selling nationally. So it, it's not easy. And, you know, we wouldn't um, traditionally and, and, and still achieve, you know, the same money that you would get from, Woody's or 888 or you know you know some of the, some of those large sponsors but you know we're happy out now delight we're thrilled to, to renew with, with Avent Money and um, they're really good people and as were Connolly's and you know to us those are more you know the, there's a lot more substance if not money to those sponsorships uh, they're they last and you know it's a mutual thing so it, it's much closer to to our identity as a club to be honest with you. So we're very happy with that. Delighted. Yeah. Um, okay. So those um, those of you who are listening who attended the virtual AGM uh, recently will be aware of, um, I guess, the, the status of the club financially uh, and all things considered, um, I guess you could, it's fair to say we're not, we're not doing too bad. Um, we returned a surplus of, was, is it 134,000 or 234,000? Uh, unfortunately, one. One thirty-four thousand. Yeah, we we turned a surplus last year, and um, you know that that sounds fantastic. It was a really weird year, obviously. Um, we had I think it was twenty thousand in gate receipts compared to something in the two hundreds previously. Um, you know there was there was the 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 wages subsidy schemes which had the, the government wages subsidy schemes, and um, we had tremendous. Um, <clears throat> We tremendous supporter support at uh, 400,000 of fundraising. We had um, not a single person look for a season ticket refund, not a single person, um, even though everybody was written to and it was offered. Um, and, um, you know, they all they all combined um, to, to have us end up with a surplus. And I suppose what the surplus means is that we go into the season with zero, we don't we don't owe anything and we're not really owed anything the last number of seasons we've gone in having to use season ticket money and having to use sponsor money to pay off the debts that were carried forward so we've kind of cleared the decks which is great so we're, we're in a zero situation which mightn't sound really positive but relative to having to plow money in to pay off previous seasons debts is great and that's allowed us to recruit differently um, you know, recruit a bit more ambitiously in terms of players, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, our, our situation, I describe it as zero. We don't owe anything and we're not owed anything. Well, that's great. You know, the European money is the European um, football and European money is the holy grail. And uh, now we haven't got that yet, but but we're able to factor that into what the squad that we've put together this year. Um, it's not really a financial question, but it's just um, in relation to, is there any indication from the FEI as to when... Uh, supporters will be allowed back into grounds gradually there's not really jerry like i think what they're doing is very much following the european and um, you know uefa and and there is some talk of 25 percent attendances being allowed um later on in the season but um you know i guess things are going the wrong way at the moment in terms of case numbers and i think you know we we'll be very you know we've been we've been told to budget on the basis of no attendances this year. That's what we have budgeted on. Now, you know, we'd be, you'd obviously maybe be hopeful that August, September, October, you know, we we, we maybe saw that 25% in, in the grounds, but, you know, health-wise, we've a long way to go, but there is no indication other than, um, 
they're going to be extremely cautious on it, which is probably right and fair, or which is right. Just one other thing then as well, sorry. Um, look, it's great to see um, the partnership with Avent Money. Um, and it's also interesting to see um, our work in the community and how we're more embedded in the community over the last few years. And um, there's more of a togetherness kind of feel about the club. How uh, Do you think things like that kind of, appeal to the likes of Avent Money and do you think there's more potential in, I suppose, getting further into the community and, and things like that? Just going in a different direction than just kind of looking for, you know, just sponsorship, more kind of partnerships? Yeah, definitely, Jerry. I think I think in reality it's it's difficult for volunteers to do that piece. And you know, you have to have um full-time staff in place to do it. So people people like Shane Cross and um, Colin um et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's difficult for the likes of you or I where we've got full-time jobs, you know. So, yeah, no, it's it's something we do reasonably well and, and, and you know, there's, there's plenty more to do there. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of initiatives over, over the last while, like the, the kids' jersey. We did, a, we did a St. Vincent de Paul trolley thing for people in need. You know, there's been quite a few things, you know, um, even soft things like the, you know, put, allowing the... Um, the heart monitoring and you know use the ground free of charge and things like that so yeah no, we, we 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 you know there's lots of and i know colin was fantastic he you know he rang up several of our older supporters and did their shopping and let the, left their shopping into them you know during the during the the initial covid so there's a lot of stuff like that going on that goes on a little bit under under the radar there's a ton more we could do and you know when you look at you know we're we're, we're in a partnership with everton now obviously and when you look at what they're doing um, you know, there's a ton of stuff that can be done, and you know, we just—it's a matter of resources, and it's kind of. Whereas, you know, the six of us on this call could maybe do a little bit of it. Honestly, it's kind of a job. Like, I think Everton have something like 95 full-time employees in their community piece, like 95. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, we have half of Shane and a tiny bit of Colin. So, um, you know. But definitely, yeah, and obviously we don't have we don't have to cover the same. But I think we're quite good given our resources. But definitely, it could be it could be considerably uh, ramped up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think it is something that we've really improved upon. And even like the three FEI awards that we, mm. as the club received recently, um, and I think it's something that the club are improving on. It's great to see. It's it's you know it's uh, you know it's fantastic really. So. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, we'd like to do more of it, but I do think it's kind of full-time employee territory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've, we're really, we're really light on full-time employees. Um, you know, I think we four and a half out, outside the, outside the playing squad, um, you know, which is running a 1.3 million business. You know, it's not, you know, there's a huge amount of voluntary time in there supplementing and um, you know people would be other clubs are paying full-time wages for people that are giving voluntary time and really you know it's hard to ask them to do community as well so uh, yeah, yeah definitely we could do more but I think it is a question of resources there was a very interesting one there a couple of years ago and I know um, Bohemians and Cork uh, availed of it some some gang in Wales were sponsoring two wages for 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 a couple of years to put community officers in and you can actually particularly in Bose but also in Cork you can really see the benefit that has come through I mean I think you know Bose are a bit ahead of us in in terms of their community initiatives but they're doing that off the back of of uh 
having had those two full-time employees for I think a two-year period and I think they have one now and they've uh, you know their their financial situation because of um you know transfer fees and also season you know season ticket stroke memberships would be a bit stronger. David the other thing is that you mentioned um, during the AGM was um the European money and obviously we've access to that but interesting to mention that the, the change in um, the hierarchy in the FEI means that uh, clubs seem to be getting their hands on that European money a little bit sooner than previous years. Yeah, and I definitely think that, you know, unfortunately in the old regime, um, UA for prize money due to League of Ireland clubs was being used to buttress up the, the holes in the FAI finances. I mean, that's probably not a great surprise and particularly Dundalk would have felt that, you know, they 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 earned a lot of money, they, you know, they earned millions. So, um We've been promised this year that, that you know if we pay if we play in July, that the money will be distributed at the end of July. Like as soon as the FAI get the money, they will distribute it. Um, now you know that we're not sure how much that'll be, um, because of the change in competition. But um, it hopefully will be somewhere in the two hundred thousand per round. I mean that's what we built into our budgets. We will owe a bit of that to the players and and the management team because they're all on bonuses. Um, for 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 achieving that, and if we you know if we if we uh, get through a round or two, <clears throat> that money multiplies by two hundred grand by round, and so do the bonuses. So, um, um, yeah. So uh, you know that that's uh, yeah. It seems to <laughs> there seems to be a change. <laughs> um, I don't think they're in a healthier financial situation, Connor. I just think that <laughs> it's probably a slightly more honest approach. But anyway. Yeah. You, you also said during the AGM that, um, you know, you said that there needs to be a significant mind or mind shift, I, go, I guess, from the club and the supporters about how the club moves forward. Um, I suppose you're talking about fundraising. Can you kind of yeah. talk a bit more about that? Yeah, sure, Connor. Um, you know, and I'm saying this as much to my myself and my fellow management committee members as, as much as to supporters, but... I mean, we're all like human nature is that when things are going OK, you don't um, you don't do things with the same zest as when, you know, your your back is against the wall a bit. And like, for example, we have 400,000 in voluntary fundraising built into uh, this year's budget. So um, the last season that I can remember when we had we had money and we don't have money now, we're zero, which is which is a good position. Um, but the last time we had money going into a season was 2015, which was a desperate season. That was the, the, the Owen Heary season. And, and we actually we, we went from having 175,000 in in the bank to owing 175,000. So we did a 350 grand flip that year. Now, I, I, I'd, I'd have to add I wasn't treasurer for that year. But anyway, um, um but you know, and and if you look at that year, everything kind of everybody stopped doing everything. You know, we stopped fundraising. We stopped all the good things that kind of make the club different and special, um, and everybody just got a bit complacent. And I suppose my my point was, and it was to, it was to myself, it was to my committee members, it was to the supporters' trust, it was to the supporters. If we want to stay top four, top six competitive. We're doing it with a few disadvantages. One is a region. One is we're we're regionally based. 
Uh, what does that mean? That means that we've got to pay more to get players up and, we, and it costs us accommodation costs. So we would be paying out maybe 100, 150 a week in accommodation costs per player that Dublin-based clubs don't have to pay. Per week, per player, right? Uh, so you can multiply that out and you'll, you'll, you'll work that out fairly quickly. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's just tougher. Like we're in, we're in a town of 20,000 people and 60,000 people in, in, in the county. It shouldn't actually on its population base and on its economic base be able to sustain a full-time professional soccer club, never mind the top four one. And my point, and, and, and it only happens because of the magnificent efforts of, you know, people including yourselves and, 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 and wider afield. And my point was that it's easy enough to fundraise when you feel desperate. And, you know, if we take the GoFundMe, that was launched in the, you know, that was a, that was a huge uh, contributor last year. And it was launched in the uncertainty of COVID, the feeling that we were being very hard done by um, as a club and that our backs were really to, a, to the wall. I suppose my point is that if we want to stay top four competitive or top six competitive, we just have to repeat that. And, and not necessarily that initiative, but something like it. And it's easier to do. It's just human nature, Connor. It's easier to do when you feel you're broke or, you know, it, there's a desperation about it. Um, and that's not taken for granted because, but, but the reality is that that 400,000 or 500,000, that is standing in, in place of a golden benefactor's money in St. Pat's or Waterford or Derry City and, you know, some or Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk. And some of those are putting in multiples. Like I saw Shelburne, uh, recently brought in 250,000. They sold more shares. There's no way that Shelburne's share value is worth 250,000 for 10%. That's just prop me up money. So, you know, um, and that's probably the loss they made last year. Um, like we, we could, we have, we, we've nobody that's going to lend us loads of money and we don't want that model anyway. So my point was that it's harder it's harder when you're in a, you know, a more comfortable position. I'm saying to us all that, you know, we have to try as hard now that we've got ourselves back to zero. We don't have any money, but to stay top four competitive, we've got to keep doing our best to be a bit different, you know, and we are different. And uh, your take on game one so far this season, uh, are you? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I, th I thought, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, you know, I thought we were really good. I thought we 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 looked a different team than last year. Um, yeah, I, I I I'm looking forward to the season. I think again, you know, sometimes last year we played very well against the better teams and didn't turn up against the weaker teams. So, you know, we're all probably pretty aware of that. You you can see we've changed the recruitment strategy a bit, and um, hopefully you can see that. Um, so this year we, we said, look, we're not really, we're kind of going to go for senior players and have our youth supplement out the squad. So, um, you know, we would have had a number of players last year that I suppose might be unkindly termed kind of filler players, where they were somewhere between the ability of the youth players and, and the senior pros. So um, we went we went backed by the European money and, and the, the gigantic fundraising. Um, and you know the outturn that we had, we we went more ambitious, um, which means more costly in in terms. You know there will, there will be a fairly uh, this year's squad will be quite a bit more expensive than last year's, um, 
and um, you know we're 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 getting near and near that point, or we're at that point where we've got very very good players coming through from our underage setup that are good enough to step in and supplement. Um, so that's great, you know. So um, you know when you've got four or five or six of them as we had in the squad for last Saturday night. But no, I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought the signings looked good. I think Greg Bulger's a massive addition to us. We were kind of really missing that player for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I thought he had, a, you know, a huge influence on the game. I thought uh, thought Jordan Gibson was really good as well. I, you know, I hadn't really seen him or noticed him in Pats. And Romeo looked, you know, Romeo and, and Ryan are probably have a little bit to go in terms of fitness. They missed a bit of preseason. But, um, you know, when we get, you know, I think we look, we look good, but... You know, it's 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 probably easy enough to look good in the first game and against Dundalk at home. You know, the next two are really important. Like if we could be seven points after these two games, these next two games, then you know, I think we'll all be getting excited and and uh, looking forward to it. But you know, it, it yeah, I was. I was really encouraged, and um, yeah, I think we all are. We're all pretty excited. We we we're. I'm reading the predictions on the various forums, which all have us in top four, and you know, as treasurer rubbing my hands on the. <laughs> And, and a continued run in Europe, but anyway, yeah. and, and, and as a tourist, I want to get to the matches, but anyway, I don't, I'm not yeah. so sure about that one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. No. David, thanks a million for your time. Here's to um, a successful season ahead, and hopefully um, your reporting uh, figures are a little bit uh, more in the black, if that's if that's the phrase. Yeah, no, it's great. It, it, it's just a lot more comfortable. And listen, thanks very much to... Um, this, the supporters trust you've been fantastic partners, particularly in the last two to three years. And, you know, we've we've a really fantastic relationship with each other and, you know, some, you know, continued really great support and, uh, you know, not just financial, but lots of other ways, you know, lots of other ways as well. So, you know, you're, you're definitely the, the supporters trust is absolutely part of the fabric of the club and what makes it work. So, you know, um, it's it's terrific. I don't think any other club is lucky enough to have such a such an entity so intertwined in it. So we're all uh, mutual nutcases. That's David Rowe, Sligo Rovers treasurer. Um, I'd say, Jerry, overall, it's a it's a positive positive place to be. Uh, starting at zero. Yeah, exactly. Look, um, as David was saying there, look, we're nor- normally starting in a minus, uh, having to pay revenue and, and credit or. Uh, Although we all wanted money to, but um, yeah, so starting zeros is good. Um, where, where does um, you know, in order for like for someone like yourself who was involved in the GoFundMe campaign, how how are we going to do that on uh, without a crisis, basically? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, yeah, look, we as as David said, we don't have a benefactor. We've nobody's going to put in the the four hundred thousand for us as a. As a group and as a, a club, uh, we need to come together again and just try and get that money raised again. If we want to keep building and keep pushing on, and you know, uh, not rest on our laurels, and yeah. please God that you know we we'll come through good again. I think year on year we we always manage to do it, but just that we don't get complacent. The other thing that happened today that we haven't mentioned is the new kit. I thought what well, you were breaking up me there, kind of what we said. What What are your thoughts on the new kit? Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's yeah. class. Oh yeah, our our kids are uh, the nicest in the league this year easily, without a doubt. The the the, the medium is sold out already. Donner, you you've uh, you've your order in, have you? 
ordered in, done and dusted earlier on today. Can't wait to get my hands on it. And I'm not one for buying football jerseys. I rarely do, but that one, it, it's easily one of the nicest I've ever seen. Genuinely. Top class. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a beauty. And um, yeah, another goal gone in against, against the old boys in green. It's tough all night. Um, yeah, it's a lovely jersey. Okay, so... Uh, Magoo, you came across an interesting project during the week. Um, it is a preview of the League of Ireland season, but it's in the Polish language. And um, we, thought it was, uh, we thought it was interesting and we did a bit of digging on it. And it turns out that um, one of the main contributors, or one of the contributors at least, uh, to the project uh, is based in Sligo. His name is Bart Bukowski. And uh, he was involved in doing research for the, the preview around the northwest of Ireland. And uh, we got him on the show and we had a conversation with him to, uh, it turns out he's also a member of the Trust. Uh, he's based up in North Sligo and we had a chat with him about the project. And we also spoke to him about how we could try and get more uh, people from the Polish community through the gates in the showgrounds. Bart Bukowski, thanks a million for your time and uh, welcome to the pod. Uh, another, I learned during the week, another a bit of Red Supporters Trust member. So uh, good to have another member on the podcast. So um, Magoo, you, you, you found out, you saw this project first. It, uh, it's a preview uh, document, I guess. It's a preview of the League of Ireland season, but it's in, um, it, it's in Polish. So uh, Bart, where, where did this come from? Uh, why is this document being produced? Uh, yeah, lots. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast, first of all. Um, well, uh, about two years ago, I've been I started tweeting a little bit about the League of Ireland. You know, I've been following the league for for a number of years now, and I've been coming to Sligo and to the showgrounds. So, um, about two years ago, I've been I kind of started tweeting here and there, like you know, about League of Ireland, and um, I got across in the the lads, um, Bartek, by the way, his name is as well Bartek. So. Um, he he he's, he lives in Poland and uh, he has a bit of interest in the League of Ireland in Ireland uh, as as well like you know it's Northern Ireland and League of Ireland and national teams and, and countries as as as, as well so uh, he just contacted me and we started chatting obviously and talking you know on Twitter and uh, it turned out that he also runs a Facebook page. Um, of of about Ireland and uh, about football in Ireland. So um, uh, also what happened was that he's he works for a portal Polish portal called Retro Football PL. Uh, there's good few lads there, like there's kind of few journalists as well. And and again, this is a football pe- uh, portal, but it's not the typical football portal, you know, about the news and results and this kind of normal stuff it's more about they will be writing articles about like history of football you know some unusual events stuff like that you know very very good solid content you know like but it's something different it's a different angle of football if you know what i'm saying like you know? yeah yeah uh, uh, so um they did similar uh, they did a preview in polish language last year i think it was in autumn last year about dutch league and belgium league and because he has this interest about League of Ireland, he, because I spoke with him a few days ago, and he just basically threw idea at one of the meetings they had. Uh, how about we do some guide, you know, for Polish people about League of Ireland, you know? Now, he wasn't expecting much, uh, you know, response because, you know, it's, 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 it's a small league, you know, and somewhere in the end of Europe, you know, so... He, he, he thought that maybe the lads won't be, will not be interested to do anything about it, but actually, to, to his surprise, they said, yeah, let's just do it, you know? 
So they've been working for, for a few months on this project and um, they get a guy, you know, who's, you know, a bit of a, you know, he's in, all about the statistics, you know, the, the other lad about the design and stuff like that, you know. So uh, they've been working on the format. They wanted to have some content, you know, they have wanted to have a basically voice of the lads, Polish people who live in Ireland. So obviously he knew at that point, he knew me. So he approached me, uh, it was sometimes in February, and he said, Bart, uh, how about... Uh, you write something about Slager Rovers because obviously you follow the team. And I said, for our for our preview, like, you know, I said, that would be brilliant, you know, why not? And when he said that, I said, well, do you need a bit of help maybe to cover other, you know, uh, clubs? Because there's, there's a good few clubs, you know, I, I didn't know it back then how many people were involved, you know. He said, sure, why not? So I just kind of offered this and I can... If I'm writing about Sligo Rovers, I can I can I can I can cover the northwest area here, like you know, region. So I did a Finn Harps as well and then Derry. And uh, yeah, so he actually got in contact with the there's there's lad in Waterford who goes to the Waterford uh, matches. Uh, there's lad in um, in Longford as well. Uh, he contacted Chris, who is the he uh, runs the uh, fan club, Polish fan, fan club down down in Cork. They, they actually have a like a Polish fan club of Cork City, you know, so they did an interview with him as well. He reached to Maciej Tarnogrodzki. He, he used to be a coach, uh, manager in Ireland. He used to be uh, in uh, UCD and Bray for a while. Uh, he left, he left sometimes, he left sometimes ago. He, he's, he's gone to Poland. Yeah, I've contacted Kieran as well. Kieran worked from the, between the stripes, you know, just, just to have something, you know, have a voice of, uh, you know, the, the, the League of Ireland fan on our guide as well. So, so basically, yeah, so the idea was just to put all this information together. So each club got the, like, obviously they got all the pure kind of statistics, like, you know, transfer in, transfer out, all these numbers, you know, how many they won the champions, how many won the cup, and yeah. how many got the points, all this stuff, the bit of history in, 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 in the numbers, you know. Uh, but, uh, but he said, we just want to get something, you know, like a one page of, something different like you know so just you know just throw a bit of uh, history of slider over a bit of what happened you know last season you know the roller coaster we all had with the league last year you know all the COVID and stuff and you know bottom of the league and then finishing up you know and in, in, on the fourth place and um, a bit of transfer you know a bit of uh, kind of what, what I think about the transfer what I think about the position you know what I think about the chances and stuff like that yeah so uh, so we all, all went well. Uh, it's actually 70 pages of like a big chunky 70 pages. If you, if you look at this, uh, you'll see it online because at the moment it's only online. So you can download in PDF format or you can just uh, review it online. But it's actually 70 pages. Uh, and there's a few other articles as well about League of Ireland and such, about history of League, history of the COP, you know, and stuff like that, you know. So it's really good content. Like for someone... I'm still reading it, like you know, I haven't I haven't read anything, like you know, because uh, it, it's just big chunky uh, guide, you know. And um, uh, so it, it's a lot of information actually. If you don't follow League of Ireland, and many, much vast majority of Polish people don't follow League of Ireland, but if they have a time and if they want to have a look at something else, like you know, they they actually find everything in there, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's all kind of current stuff as well, what's happening right now, plus a bit of history as well. So is the audience uh, uh, a Polish audience in Ireland, or is it for a wider Polish audience maybe back home? 
it's for whoever that can read Polish. You know, if 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 you can, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, it, it, we we didn't have a really uh, the group that that we did it for. It was obviously for Polish people, for people who know Polish language, football fans, football uh, fans who, who who not only follow just, you know the top six or top ten leagues or all this all these big clubs and all this stuff, but. Uh, so obviously it's online, you know. There's no borders online. So we have a, a response for people in Poland, based in Poland, saying that you know, well done, lads. That's very good. We have a lot in a few people in Ireland, you know. So the idea would be, you know, uh, just just to go to, like from my perspective, obviously for me to be the best. If there's someone in po in Ireland, Polish people, you know, might be not following clubs at the moment. If they can have a look, you know, maybe they just see, Jesus, there's some lads over there like you know they've just done this and i don't i don't remember this ever been done before like you know it's a really first uh cover of league of ireland done yeah. in uh, polish language you know so, uh, so one, one of the things that i'm kind of interested in is as ireland becomes more international and um you know we have more nationalities uh, coming into the country and like i guess the largest internet the la largest community that we have it's probably the Polish community in Ireland, and there's not a lot of Polish people in the showgrounds. So, like, it, what can clubs do? What can Sligo Rovers do to try and encourage more of the Polish community in through the gates of the showgrounds? Uh, good question, I suppose. Uh, well, I have to say, I have to say, I'll play better football, question. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I'm sure there are Polish people going. I I'll go on my own. I'll be honest. I, I don't have anyone just to be going with me like now I've met once or twice people you know Polish people there like you know uh, so I know there are Polish people probably not a big group but I'm sure there are uh, Polish people going uh, I have to say two years ago back into that was the, after the first game against Dundalk it thought it was the 2019 season I think uh, I've posted something on Twitter and you know the next day I had actually someone from a bit of uh, red support to trust on me saying you know, oh, I've seen you here. We're at the game. He actually asked the same question, like you know. So there was a huge, there was a, there was instant response, you know, from from you lot saying, oh, what can we do if there's anything we can do? Like, uh, I didn't have really an ideas back then. Like you know, I mean, I said, yeah, thanks for 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 you know getting in touch with me, and yeah, it's it's brilliant. That's that's I know that I can reach you guys and and you can help me, and if I have any ideas, I can share it with you. Uh, nothing really happened first year. Then obviously the, the, the COVID came in, so last year was a really write-off. Uh, but answering your question, I mean, um, I suppose there are some events. Maybe uh, didn't really think too much about it. But uh, if we can maybe club, maybe if they could, you know, organize something that would be kind of trying to invite the Polish people with. I don't know whether it would be like a ticket discount or some souvenir. Uh, could be anything. I don't know. Some cannot really think about it. Maybe you know some souvenir with the autographs from the clubs for Polish people who are coming to the game, stuff like that. You know, and I have a few ideas as well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I've, I'm, I'm settled now in, in North Sligo, so uh, I'll be going to, to Sligo Rovers now. But I have a few ideas now. Maybe, maybe there are people, Polish people out there in Sligo, and there's no platform they can kind of. You know they know where to go to the club, but maybe they kind of don't know. In other words, if they see, for example, there's a portal about Sligo Rovers in Polish language, done and run by someone who's from Poland, 
you know, and this is maybe Facebook page or whatever, something like this, you know, maybe, maybe something like this could attract, you know, a few additional Polish people mm -hmm. uh, becoming regular uh, fans and, and regular, uh, you know, coming to show to the showgrounds, you know. So there is an idea, maybe, you know, maybe that would be a good start. I don't know. Uh, I would find a Polish you know, lad. Sorry? You can find a Polish lad. <laughs> you, you could be our scout, Bert. Who, who was the last the last Polish player to play for Rovers? Peter Peter Bazaski. Peter Bajek, you are close. Bajic. Yeah, Peter <laughs> I think I think he was the only one. He was the only one. Um, yeah. He was with the team with Seamus Coleman. So I actually yeah. I actually tweeted the picture a few months, a few weeks ago, because uh, I read the interview with him and. Uh, he was actually saying that he was delighted playing with him, and I think the shame was behind him, and he was in the in the in the, in the middle of the pitch, uh, but they were on the same side, you know. But yeah, he was very, very was he was he, was he a midfielder? I thought he played on the wing. No, centre back. He, was he? Was he? Was he? Oh yeah. no, sorry, get mixed up. I think he was he was a midfielder uh, playing on the same side as James. Yeah, <laughs> but he was very unlucky with injuries, and he came yes. out like that. Yeah, so. Um, he looked good. So, yes. I remember. I remember he. Was, he. I remember he came coming out. Came off the bench a few times, and I think he was kind of a short but real powerful player. I think he quick. Huh? Really quick. Yeah, that's my memory of him. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him playing. I think he played only for seven games. For yeah, he, uh, yeah. It was very short spell with. with his knee ligaments. The knee, knee ligaments. Yeah, I think he had five surgeries or something like that. And, and I, as far as I remember from his interview, he was saying that he really wanted to go back each time too quick to, yeah. to play, you know. And that was obviously that wasn't good for his knees and and, and and his health. So I think he just gave up after a while, you know. But uh, but yeah, Piotr Bajek was the one, and uh, I'm glad to see his name there on the on the board, you know, on the on the wall behind yeah. his yeah. hand, you know. <laughs> so yeah, Bart, from your yeah. From your own personal point of view, what was it that enticed you into the showgrounds? Because it's obviously a, a big drop in standard in comparison to the Polish National League in, in terms of quality and even in the size of the fan bases and everything else. So what was it that drew you into the showgrounds? Uh, listen, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I, I just, I just a big fan of the, of the, of the, of the, of the slogan, you know, support your local club, like, you know, so listen, I ended up in, actually I have to say, I lived in Westport for about seven years and, and actually, I was commuting. I was driving or coming to the showgrounds for Westport, you know, on Friday nights. That's that's I remember for a good few times, you know. And then obviously it happened that I actually moved into Sligo, so it's much easier for me now. So I'm delighted actually I made this move because, uh, you know, I can go and, and it's quicker and easier, you know. But uh, uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, as I said, you know, it's it's the league that I have. Like nothing can beat. Uh, well, in my opinion, and for me. Uh, live football experience, you know, and uh, and I kind of, you know, fell in love with the league after after a few years. It's just kind of, it's just, it's just, I just love it, you know, and I love the atmosphere coming to the showgrounds. Um, and I have to admit, because uh, I was living in Westport and and I was talking to the lads uh, at work and 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 when I started, you know, looking at the information for League of Ireland and you know, Westport is kind of between Galway and Sligo, you know. And I was kind of wondering which, where will I go first to have a look to get the first League of Ireland experience, you know? And and the few lads told me, listen, go to the showgrounds, you know, because it's a nice place to go over there. And I think, I think the Sligo Rovers might 
I think they've been doing a little bit better than Galway at the time. Now, I don't ask you when it was exactly, but I don't remember. But I think Slag was actually doing better. I said, okay, decision made. I go to, to, to the showgrounds. And you know what? It was the first trip, and that's it. Never bothered to go to Galway, you know, after that, you know. So, um, Bart, uh, that's, you picked the right one. Bart, we, we uh, always do better in Galway. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the right horse. Better than many, but we do better than Galway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously, like if you ask me, like it's not like I knew much about League of Ireland when I lived in Poland. I came to Ireland in two thousand six. Like you know, so yeah, obviously I've heard you know the names, clubs here and there, like you know, and but didn't really know too much. Uh, you just said about the, the comparison Poland. Um, I have to say, I follow, I have my own team in Poland now. They're struggling at the moment. They're bottom of the league. They, they, they just have eight games to left. They're fighting relegation. Um, if you look football and quality of football of, of some of the Polish uh, games, well, I can tell you something. It's just impossible to watch. It's just, it's really bad. Like, you know, it's, I know that people are saying you know, it's a better league, better quality. There's some games that is just impossible to watch. I have to say, actually, I watched the last Sligo games, the first one against Dundor on Saturday, and then on Sunday, my team was playing. They lost it. It was, it was the Sligo Rovers game was like, you know, two classes, two level up, much better. The quality, the drama, the chances, you know, uh, it was just it was just better football, you know. So obviously, if you, if you take all more games, you might say, you probably, yeah, there's better quality in Poland, absolutely. Uh, infrastructure is much, much better. You know, football is number one in Poland. We don't have GAA, we don't have rugby, you know, so obviously it's number one mm. sport. We have full professional league, good money. Uh, I'd like to see more Irish players actually go into Poland, maybe. They start going to Poland, you know, have only Kilian Sheridan at the moment. Uh, but he's not really League of Ireland player but uh, you know maybe maybe that would be good for uh, some of the Irish players yeah. to go to Poland to try over there like you know because the league is good but as I'm saying there are games sometimes like I prefer to watch League of Ireland games you know I, I might watch the top obviously I'm watching my own team playing and, and maybe top games in Poland uh, but yeah that's that's the basically the the, the, the story of, of how I ended up in the showgrounds you know and, and following the striker overs. Um, who do you support what's the name of your team in Poland? Oh uh, yeah, I get these questions from Irish people and I say there's no point me to tell you because you never heard about it, you won't be able to pronounce the name <laughs> and you'll never remember. So but I can well, tell, tell you it's Pod Beskidzie Bielskobiawa. So the bottom of the league, if you look at the table, you can have a look. The lovely stadium, you know, 15,000 built about five or six or seven years ago. Uh, lovely place to go and uh, but yeah, they're struggling. They only got promoted last year after four years now, and there's only eight games left. Uh, there's one team going down this year only, so it will be awful pity, you know, if they're actually if they go down this year. So, so I'm kind of you know every week now with the League of Ireland started playing, I'm trying to get you know <laughs> 90 minutes for Sligo Rovers, 90 minutes for my Polish team. So it's a bit tricky right now, but uh, yeah, I, I try to do my best, you know. Okay, listen, Bart. Um... Thanks a million for your time. We'll we'll post. Uh, I will tweet again a link to um, to um, the the League of Ireland preview in Polish. And uh, I guess you know over the uh, next couple of um, months and as the season progresses, we will try and uh, um, entice more of our, our Polish friends into the showgrounds and maybe try and develop some of the ideas that that you put forward. So listen, Bart. Yeah. Thanks a million. Okay, lads. Thank you very much. All the best. Good luck. 
Okay, great to hear from uh, Bart, local man, uh, member of the trust, and um, we will put our thinking caps on about how we can try and attract more of the Polish community into the showgrounds for the season ahead. So, uh, busy show. Uh, we've been through, we're getting towards the end of it now. The last thing we need to talk about is um, the game on Friday. So, seven forty-five. We are traveling to Waterford. Not a happy hunting ground in recent seasons. Uh, but Jerry, are you going down there? In uh, you got well. I mean, they were. I think Waterford were unlucky in their loss against the Dundalk. They're probably a bit of an unknown quantity still. But uh, we've got to be pretty positive going down there. Yeah, um, I watched the game uh, the other evening, and um, look, in fairness to Waterford, they were really unlucky uh, to lose the game so late on with an unfortunate own goal. Um, from looking at the a lot of really unfamiliar names, but uh, from looking at the they make up the team. They look a really, really tall, physical side. Um, I'm not sure if Kevin Sheedy and uh, Mike Newell kind of think that we're like a lower league uh, English setup. You know, uh, like going for big, tall, physical lads. But like in fairness, our league is a, is a lot more technical than that. So um, in that regard, I've played a lot of football manager, and most of my signings, <laughs> like Rovers, are over six foot two. Okay, successful. That's my mentality. That's my limited football mentality. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So you're, <laughs> you're in you're in there with the Kevin and uh, Mike. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that uh, from a from an experience point of view and maybe technical ability, they might get found out over the course of the season. And I don't. I can't see them finish. Like I think they'll be down near the bottom, maybe third from bottom. Uh, so I'd like to go down there thinking that we can get the three points if we, if we go with the same mentality uh, like we did against Dundalk. And I think we alluded to it earlier on as well that sometimes we were up for the big games, but it's this, like last season, but it was the games against the lesser teams that we kind of let ourselves down. So hopefully that doesn't continue into this season and we just go down with the mentality that we're you know, that we went out against Dundalk and, and come home with the three points. Yeah, okay. Listen, before um, we get uh, McGoo and Sean's input, uh, our um, predictions for the Waterford game, myself and Sean spoke to Owen Power, who's a member of the Blue Supporters Club, uh, Waterford United uh, Fans Club, and we got to hear um, the Waterford perspective. First of all, Owen, thanks a million for your time um, in joining us. Um, a difficult start to the season for Waterford. Uh, lost to Dundalk. What were what are the expectations as we're still kind of only entering into the season? Uh, I don't know to be honest with you. I can't tell you because um, going on last season, we kind of hoped a lot of fans just hoped to stay up, you know. Because and at the end, we were pipped for Europe by ourselves. So you know, it was a it was a great season. Well, I know it didn't end well, but it was a lot better than we hoped for. This season, because of the way. We're operating and the fact is a whole new squad every season. We just don't know. You know, um, I think if you ask any any blues fan at the moment, they'd probably tell you if it's you could finish, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, they'd probably be quite happy, you know. But uh, we just don't know because it's such a young and inexperienced squad, there's no way of knowing. Yeah. And with the on with the way the squad was ripped apart at the end of the season. You lost an awful lot of quality. But what's come in now and what Kevin Sheedy has brought in, what's, from your point of view, who's, who's the lookout player now? Who'll be the, who'll be the main man going forward this season? Well, uh, I think young Adam O'Reilly from Cork, 
who came from Preston on loan could be one to watch from what we've heard anyway. Uh, James Waite also, who is on loan from Cardiff, uh, looks, looks a fine player, has a bit of pace about him and, and has a nice touch. Um, at the back, Kyle Ferguson looks very good in the couple of preseason friendlies I saw and he looked, he looked assured against Strada. Uh, and defensively, we're actually okay and an 88-minute own goal was already conceded, you know. So I think it's going forward more, we'll have more issues than, than at the back, really. And uh, we obviously picked up Robbie McCourt, a signing that we're really happy with. Uh, preseason, yeah. he looked great. He looks really versatile. Um, what, what, what are his kind of attributes, or what, what can we look forward to seeing from him? Uh, well, Robbie kind of filled in at centre half for us last last year, and he was outstanding, really. Um, his passing range is is, is excellent. Uh, his, his leadership, you know, I think he's a real find. Uh, I watched your game the other night now and he, I thought he was really played really well at left foot. And uh, he's, he was thrown in across there to a great quality. So and he set up the equalizer, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he's also um he, he looks his fitness looks top class. He's breaking the lines, he's he's making runs from defense um into the box. So he's he looks like a real kind of catch. Um so um obviously a difficult start um away to Andrada. An OG in the final yeah. minutes. Um, what are your thoughts going into the game uh, in uh, Waterford this weekend or on, on Friday night? Uh, a bit worried, to be honest with you, after seeing the way he played against Dundalk. And I think he put an impressive squad together, including a couple of our old lads with Walter Figueroa, who's a, who's a great player too, and, and uh, Robert McCourt. And you've held on to a lot of the quality players he had last season. And also, the two young lads who came off the bench on um, on Friday night looked very impressive too. So, to be honest with you, I think I'd probably take a point now if he, if he gave it to me. Um, but as I said to you, we don't know. We just Our expectations are... <laughs> it's, it's hard to have expectations. We just don't know what we're going to get, you know? So... Um... What, what do you want as a Waterford fan? What does it, like? I, I guess you want some sort of stability in your club where you can try to build something. Is that like? What does that look like? Is that a change of ownership, or, or what is that? I think, uh, in fairness, that the fact that we have Premier Division football in Waterford is is a major thing, and I think Lee Power has to be has to be lauded for 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 sticking with the club and for bringing us up from the, the first division and for putting his money where his mouth is, really. You know, and. Uh, Unfortunately, with COVID and the way it happened, with no fans and everything, it's, it's very hard to run a to run a club at the moment, and very hard to keep it sustainable. You know, so I think from a water supporters' point of view, we'd like to be up there challenging. You know, we'd like to be going for last season, like European places, have a decent cup run. I think any water fan would be delighted with that, and also the fact that we got into Europe a couple of seasons ago and. You know, we were we didn't get into Europe in the end. It's it's something that we'd like to rectify. You know, going back to that on there, you know, you're what is it? The width of a post from qualifying last season? Yeah, yeah. It, did you hit the post in like the 89th minute or something like that in Finn in Finn Park that night? Well into the well into injury time, I think when we hit the post. You know, like things would be so so different for you. I'm sure you would have kept the majority of the squad that's gone and. You know, it's almost like hitting the reset button every season for you. It, it must be very frustrating as a fan watching that. Well, 
it, is, it is extremely frustrating because when you look around the league and um, when you see the quality of players that we've let go, mm-hmm. uh, most teams in the, in the League of Ireland now would have one or two ex Waterford players. And if you put them all together, we'd have, you know, <laughs> we'd definitely be up there challenging Rovers and Dundalk. So uh, it, is, it is really frustrating that you lose your best players every summer. And I suppose with the way the League of Ireland is with one year contracts, you know, that's, that's the chance to take, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, What's your thoughts on Kevin Sheedy coming in? Yeah, I, I think he, he has as well organised. Um, I think he himself and, and Mike Newell uh, have plenty of experience and I think the, the team they brought with him uh, seems to have a lot of quality in the background team. Um, he's going to have to give him time because, you know, he's, players are only together a couple of weeks. So I think it's very early to, to be making any judgments and you're going, to, you're going to have to give him 10 games to... to to settle in and, and see where we are from there, you know. What's um what's your academy setup like there? Are you producing players locally? Um, I know in, in, in Sligo that's been a huge benefit benefit to us recently. Um, is that happening down your end of the country? Yes, uh, the, the the academy is well. It it, it would it will be the main focus of the sports club. That's what we would fundraise for for most of the year, you know, and. Uh, we would have the full range of teams, and actually this year we've we've also had a, a ladies under an under seventeen team coming on as well. Um, so we have we would have five or six uh, academy players in the in the squad. Um, so that that that's the future. Look, that's the way to go. You know. Is there is there any standout players in the academy that we can um, that we might keep an eye out for? I, I think I think in the current squad you have John Martin who came through the academy who uh, scored. Uh, Good amount of goals for us last year, you know, and, and it's has, has a lovely touch. And there's it's, it's hard to the step up in the level is obviously so great from from your uh, your under 19 team right to, to the to Premier Division football, you know. Uh, but I think the, the way to go is, is to produce these players and instead, if you could sell one of them every, every couple of years, you're that's the way to go, isn't it? And I think that's what most League of Ireland teams are, are looking to do, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, um, thanks a million for joining us. Really appreciate giving us your, your time. And we won't wish you the best of luck um, <laughs> for the forthcoming game, but um, best of luck for the rest of the season after that, I suppose. Same to you. Thanks for having me on, lads. Okay, thanks a million to Owen for uh, chatting to us on the podcast. Uh, it's always valuable, I think, to get a bit of insight from the opposition or from um, the uh, across enemy lines, as they say. So, Sean, having spoken to Owen um I mean, they they feel like they're a bit all over the place. I think a little bit. They're a little bit unstructured. They've lost lost a lot of their main players, and it's something that's been happening season on season for them. And we've um, we've picked up McCourt. Um, I, mean, I suppose it's like McCourt's going to have a little bit of inside knowledge as we go down to Waterford. Well, I think the only thing you'd have inside knowledge on now is who the tea lady is. To be honest with you, I think that's the only consistent they have down there at the moment. Um, it's. To be honest, which is one thing I'd be looking for, looking to going down there is I don't think they'll have any team cohesion built up as of yet. Whereas I seen with us last weekend, there seemed to be a very, very good team cohesion built up. Everyone seemed very familiar with each other. For for the start of the season, that was very unexpected, considering there is a lot of new players on our side as well. But we have kept the spine. Whereas Waterford, they are they've hit the reset button again. It's a brand new side, so. I think going down there, we should be confident based on our performance, obviously, against Dundalk. And by all accounts, they weren't 
bad against Drogheda, but again, Drogheda are a newly promoted side, so they might have been expecting a wee bit more out of that game. But uh, no, I think all in all, we'd be confident going down there. I'd be expecting a win. Uh, Magoo, are you um, are you <clears throat> looking for like I think one of the one of the things that are, we had or that I took from our chat with um, the manager of the podcast before last was he said he wants to see more goals and. Um, based on the efforts that we created or the chances we created against the dog, we should see some goals down in uh, down in Waterford. Um well, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we will. But um yeah, I think what Jerry was saying, if we go down with the same attitude, I think that's obviously the most important thing. We should no complacency because they're they're an unknown quantity, obviously Waterford yes. And like, you know, Sean said they hit the reset button, but they'll have an extra week together now. So you still have to be on your game and earn the right to win first. And so going with the same attitude and our quality then should hopefully see us through in the end. And I think we definitely will have more goals this year from our team. So hopefully that starts on on Saturday, Friday. Is it Friday this week? Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. Do you think that uh, he? Do you think that uh, Buckley will go in a similar setup as he did with against uh, Tontox? Yeah, I think hundred percent sure. Why would you? Uh, changed the, the formula worked worked well the other night. I think I know Jerry was saying he thinks uh, Burn will start, but I wouldn't see too many changes, um, especially not Burn anyway. I know everybody like people are getting on. I seen on Twitter and everything about Walter and, and stuff. I didn't think Walter was that bad. Like it, you know, he done the simple thing. I, I, I think he was. I he, he was. He was quiet. No, he was quieter than some some of them. He was quiet in some of them. Yeah, but he like he he was he was the first on the press most of the time. Like he got through a lot of work. And I think people look at Walter and see William and think, <laughs> oh, this, this, is, this, is, this is how they expect this for to be playing. You know what I mean? Um, I think, but I, I would think if there was going to be a change, it probably would be Walter coming out. And you might see, uh, and not because he was a bad, well, like too bad, but like, you know, you have to freeze there, like, and it's not a bad replacement. Or you could see Cauley in maybe just for the tree away from home, maybe to make us more solid. Yeah. But I'm. Um, um, I couldn't see Byrne, and also for the simple fact is that uh, Romeo played off the left, and Byrne be playing the left, so I I couldn't yeah. see Romeo be, unless Romeo went into number ten, obviously. Very. The, the, the one thing about Walter as well is I think that we're forgetting Walter's actually ex Waterford too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So and, and he's going to have knowledge of him as well. Uh, all, all he knows that, the lie of that. Yeah, yeah. Owen mentioned that, and I think it's something that people. I certainly forgot that he he um, that. Figure was down in Waterford. Uh, Jerry, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, what sort of setup were, um, what sort of shape were uh, Waterford uh, using against Dundalk? Was it flat back four? Yeah, it was flat back four. Uh, awful kind of, shape. Sorry? <laughs> what did you say? Awful shape. You're in an awful shape. Yeah. <laughs> awful shape. All over the place. But uh, yeah, it looked like kind of, I suppose, 4 1, uh, 3 1 kind of a formation. Uh, but yeah, look, they were very workmanlike, kind of sitting behind the ball. Um, when they got set pieces, they tried to use use the height, uh, and you know, and they caused a bit of trouble to the Dundalk or to the draw the defence with set pieces and things like that. So I think they'll probably play something similar towards ourselves, you know, work for set pieces and things like that, yeah. and see if they can get the breaking ball. So, but look, as McGill said as well, I think it look. Um, if we play our game um, and we go toe to toe with them, I think our quality will come through in the end. And just hopefully we don't have any uh, odd decisions this week. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, 
That's all. It's always a chance, Dunner. It's always, it's always there. It's, it is always there, unfortunately. But that's what you're dealing with in this league. That's the that's the standard of refereeing. It's uh, people are getting way too upset about it because you know at the end of the day there is no point really. It's expected at this stage. We've seen it for years, so yeah. have it. there's been no change. It can be highlighted and highlighted and highlighted, but until the FEI get on top of it and actually start appointing a better standard of referee or getting a a system in place to train up better referees, it's going to stay this way. And you see yeah. it, it's at, the, it's at the highest levels of football. Referee, you know, in general, is in a bad state. But like, um, I know what you, what you said, uh, or maybe what, what you, you said, yeah, but I mean, you said these things don't even themselves out. But also, Buckley said after the game that he wasn't going to get too hung up on, on whether it was onside or offside. But I would imagine he was ripping after the game, Sean. I imagine. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's a massive, it's, that's a big three points taken away from him. You know, it's a massive start for, to the season for him. You know, it's a, it's a bitter bill to take. But he is right not to get too hung up about it because at the end of the day, it is only the first game of the season and there's plenty more times to rectify this. But it does, it, it, sorry, but it does put a wee bit of pressure on the game this weekend though because I think the Dundalk result is now only a good result if we beat Waterford. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you know if we only get a, if we only get a draw in Waterford, or God forbid we lost, like you, you have one point out of two games, so or two points out of two games, you were as well yeah. off losing to Dundalk and beating Waterford. Like it's you know it's only it's only making the Dundalk result good if we get the three points, where um, it should have been the three against Dundalk. Yeah, but I, I think we're, we're we're definitely in a position to go down there and get those three points. I don't think it's a case of... Oh, 100%. 100%. I to get those three points against Dundalk and they were there for us. I, we're a far better side this year. You can already see it. And I think, look, it's a, look, it is. It's a I don't, what I'm saying is I don't... Sorry, what I'm saying is I don't think Buckley would be getting too hung up on it if we, if we get the three points in Waterford because that would give us four points out of the two games. Which I'm sure you would have taken before the season started. One hundred percent, yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, look, if we go down and we do the business down in Waterford at the weekend, Buckley laughs off the the Dundalk game. Good point, well done. Move on. Here we go. Uh, I think um, just on the the quality in the squad this season in comparison to last last season, I think it was David Goulden on Twitter who made uh, he, he he did a comparison between the starting game of last season and this the starting season the starting game of this season. We're just so much better. Chalk and cheese. I'm a squad from we're just a different team altogether. And like obviously we've we've lost some like a leader in Kyle Callum McFadden, but like we're just in such a much better place. When you think think of like the likes of Timo replaced by um you know McCourt and uh, Figueroa who's got the experience of the league, Buckley, it's like it's chalk and cheese, yeah. I know we didn't we didn't yeah, do as well is um you know a lot of the players that were brought in last season. It was more hope, yeah. In how they would turn out for us. We were a hopeful team who might be a good sign, and we we're hoping Darren Noon might have a breakthrough season, and yeah. Jesse Devers might come up with moments of magic or somehow I don't know where he was going to pull them out of. Maybe, I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he did. There was a, there was a moment of magic in the dog. He did. Yeah. Oh yeah, the one where he went to grab the keeper from. He was trying Jairus. to put all in the boot. Yeah. Um, no, but then you look at what's been brought in this season and it's not hope. You know what's there. You can see the quality in front of you. Yeah, and it goes back to what um, what David Rose said about the strategy about signing players, that they're looking for top-level experienced players 
to be su supplemented by the academy players and that kind of strata in between the maybe the question mark players they weren't they weren't going to bring them in yeah well and then and then you go back to that then with the U players and you see Mark Byrne and Johnny Kenny and I'm afraid they're not going to be sub they're not just supplementing they're pushing for starting places uh, okay, so uh, last week we didn't do uh, predictions because it was the first game of the season, but now that we're going to go and win the league, uh, bar dodgy <laughs> referee decisions. What, um, what, so, Donner, what, call it. What's going to happen in Waterford? I I think we'll have a comfortable enough 2 0 win. And I would put even give goal scorers in. I'll actually put Romeo down for two. Okay, Magoo? Connor. What are, you, what are you going with? Uh, you wanna, um, yeah, uh, oh, I hate doing these. 2-1, um, uh, I'd say. It's not going to be... We're, like, oh, one, we're, two? Not, we're not going to have a comfortable leave. 1-2, like, sorry, yeah. 1-2. Okay. Yeah, okay. It'd be too much to ask for us to have, just have a comfortable leave with a few cans watching the game, but no. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Never, never that easy. So it sounds like you're water for taking a lead and then it's, uh, it's an equaliser and a winner. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, young jo Young Johnny scored the winner. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mr. O'Connor, what are you saying? Yeah, I was going to say two one or one nil. So I'll go with one nil. I don't think it's going to be that comfortable either. And I think uh, put Romeo down for first. Right. Okay. Um, okay. What about your prediction, Connor? I don't do predictions because. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. I just noticed afterwards you didn't. You didn't do any predictions last last week for the league or anything. I know. So, do we want to talk about Bohemian's uh, performance against Van Harps <laughs> in the context of um, predictions for the league? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to continue to drop points like that, we'll pick up points. I'm happy for all of them to be shite and us be good. I, I didn't. So, I didn't see any. I won't get hung up on my predictions like that. Not when it's for someone else to win the league. Okay. So, listen. We we'll wrap things up. Um, what have we got to say? Have we got Bingo on Friday night? No, we don't have Bingo on Friday night. Okay. Uh, Friday night was the last one, but we're trying to organise. Um, so we're playing Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the bingo players don't care, though, but uh, we're trying to organise for, for the Easter weekend. Okay. Just to round it up, and then we look at it again later on in the season. Right, okay. Uh, anything else that we need bingo to mention? Bingo season. Anything else we need to mention before we wrap up? Okay, so. Just a little reminder, if you want to contact the podcast, uh, podcast at borst.ie um, to give us your views or um, to send your criticisms or to get your shout-outs in. And aside from that, I think that's a wrap. We will talk to you on the far side of the Waterford game uh, next week. And uh, that'll do it. Thanks a million, Donner. Cheers, Connor. Jerry, thank you. Thanks, Connor. Brilliant. Cheers. We're going to until next week. Thank you, Connor. See you later, boys. <laughs>